The setting is an essential part of a story. It tells where the characters are and can create the conflict. There's even sometimes some sort of symbolism in the setting. Ender's, games takes, Ender's Game takes place in the future. Based on the technology mentioned and the current situation of the bug of war, we know that it is in the future. Let's first talk about the bug of war that was currently going on in the story. It says that, um, but here in the flat, the game would start mean. And the bugger couldn't just go empty and quit the way the buggers did in the real wars. The bugger was in it until the astronaut decided it was over. So in this quote, it introduces the buggers and it gives context of the current situation that is going on in uh, this world. Yeah, and you know, we see um, the uh, the introduction and like the uh, the just the the sheer you know, um, just like how much it's affecting the world. It's so important and well known that it even became you know a children's game, a children's, and like it's called like the bugger and the astronaut, and it's just like it it's impacted its culture as well. Yeah, and you know, like you said, it's it's a children's game, and right now, you know, there's the cliche game of cowboys and Indians, right? It isn't a thing so much any uh, anymore, but it used to be, and that was the sort of. Uh, cliche hero and villain that kind of trope that we see in a lot of things but in in this setting the cliche hero and villain is astronauts and buggers the good side and the bad side yeah Um, the next main setting of this book is battle school the academic part of battle school is described as hours of classes reading numbers history videos of bloody battles in space, the Marines spraying their guts all over the walls of the bugger ships. As for the, as for them, struggles for the first time in their lives. As for the first time in their lives, they competed with classmates who were at least as bright as they were. Right. So the very first, you know, glimpse we get into this, you know, battle school, we understand that emotion that's like a lot. That's they, like a lot of these situations that these kids are being thrown into. It's just the sheer just intensity of it, you know, the um, the competition, the intensity, you know, just like the the situation they're already in, you know, the needing to be, you know, more uh, than what like than what they think they need to be, and the needing to be, you know, to stand up in the time of you know desperate need that they are in, and they just have to you know be the very best. And for that kid at such a young age, like six, seven, or whatever, that is just so stressful and intense for those children. All of these kids are the smartest and most capable people. And I think it's something you see even at just like, like in, in any normal school that the, the very smartest kids don't really struggle. They don't have to compete as much just because, you know, they're the best by such a wide margin. But here when everyone's the best, they are competing sort of for the first time in their lives. And it's, like you said, very intense. Yeah, also these kids are exposed to some things that, Normal kids at these ages, like they never see it in our in like our world today. This yeah. just shows how it, like mature they are as young kids and how um, advanced they are like um, in- intellectually. And the present time, like its influence it has on these children. Yeah, these kids are only six. I don't really think that they should be seeing this kind of stuff. But you know, we're in su- they're in such a like a hard time that that's just how it has to be. Yeah, true. Okay, next, the, the battle room is an important part of battle school. The battle room is a place where students compete against each other armies in battle using their combat and strategy skills. So the battle room and training all together is very intense as it is uh, in zero gravity. Mm-hmm. 
and you know it's very representative of the space and you know where the battles are being fought uh in this new this new world uh this is where it's being fought it's a great simulation to the battles that they might need to fight uh in the future yeah like you mentioned philip it's in zero g and that sort of adds a uh another layer to it this is something that no one comes here familiar with right Everyone goes to the battle school being smart, you know, experienced with school and friendships and other kids, but this is something no one's familiar with. And while, it, so it's able to challenge their, uh, like, combat and strategy skills without mm-hmm. other talent sort of interfering, right? Because everyone starts on an even playing field. Um, here, Ender learned, like, how to command his own army, and he became individual and more independent and relies on himself rather than others. Right, because as we know, you know, he gets called the Dragon Army, and that's when he's thrown into being a commander and thrown into being a leader. So we see him as a character as we follow him throughout his, uh, his you know, the, the few time, the few, like, moments he has before he goes to battle school. We follow him and his character, and we see how he matures and how he becomes stronger, as you said, individual, independent. And he goes on to lead the Dragon Army, which would then become the greatest uh, army that Battleschool has ever seen. The next main setting of the story is Greensboro, North Carolina. This is where the Wigan family moved after Ender left for Battle School and where Valentine and Peter grew up. So the Wigan family moving, it's like a new beginning. Um, it's life without Ender and a new beginning for the relationship between Peter and Valentine. And, you know, Peter and Valentine, it's like their relationship as in they took on the persona of Locke and Demosthenes and you know, we get a glimpse into that world and see how they're doing. And yeah, thing- so so in this situation, everyone's kind of starting a new life. Like it's almost symbolic how they're in a com- a new place, completely different from where they are were. They were in like the big city, and now they're in complete nature, right? And Peter and Valentine are literally taking on new names. Um, and of course, Ender now without his family is living in you know in space with his, his own purpose and everything. So this is just, every everything sort of starts a new beginning and everyone branches out and separates into their own paths in life. Right. Um, the next very important setting of Ender's game is the command school. It's located on an asteroid called Eros, which is described as a roughly spindle-shaped rock, only six and a half kilometers thick at its narrowest point. Everyone lived in the smooth walled rooms linked by tunnels that laced the interior of the asteroid. This is where Ender learned to command a fleet of ships and train for the Bugger War. So it's quite um, it's quite ironic that Ender, you know, it's, it's you know that Ender defeated the Buggers while on a former Bugger outpost, which is, you know, it just seems kind of you know crazy and like just the whole thing and like he ends up you know and there's like so much like that he talks about, um, you know, because him being tricked into simulations, everything. But he ended up does destroying the um, debugger, um, debugger, uh, you know, the civilization, the intelligence, and by you know doing things he never would have done if he didn't know it was a simulation. Yeah. Um. So, right, like when he when Ender first gets to command school, it doesn't really feel right before he knows that it was uh, made by that all those tunnels and the rooms were all made by the buggers. So he sort of. Uh, feels off and feels like something isn't right when you know it isn't just that it's kind of kind of foreshadowing the fact that he's being manipulated into killing the buggers while he's uh 
playing the simulations, right? There's manipulation mm -hmm. there. And he doesn't, right, for, when he first gets there, he doesn't feel right. So those kind of, in a way, go hand in hand, sort of indirectly. Yeah, also, so because uh, Ender indirectly defeated the buggers, it leads back to the manipulation and lies that were told by the adults. Right. Yeah, and the, the figures that are, you know, in the head and how, you know, he, he's like, because all of his, you know, as we follow him, you know, the adults are always against him. They're always trying to, you know, tear him down and make him the best he can be. And it's just, this was the biggest one. And he, you know, he did some things in the simulation where he made a shield out of people. You know, he set those, those people to die, and he knows that. And um, it's just hard to live with that he just come, made the whole thing go extinct. And, you know, it, like you said, Philip, it goes to the uh, manipulation that, just the final straw he had. He was just absolutely done with it. And I think that's something that should be taken into account. Um, at the end of the story, when Ender goes looking for a new place for the new colony that's coming to the bugger home planet, um, he finds what looks like to be the place he visited in the mind game multiple times, the giant's corpse and the castle. In the book, says, in the book it says, now Ender knew why it looked so familiar. The giant's corpse. They built it for me. The buggers built it for me. Right. So the whole conflict of this story was started because they couldn't communicate with each other and didn't know, like, the buggers didn't know, like, the humans' intentions and vice versa. Yeah, and this sort of provides a good resolution that all along they can't communicate with each other. And the very last thing the buggers do is just send one message to one person. And that sort of uh, provides closure for the whole thing, especially for Ender, who the extinction of the buggers really weighed heavily on his shoulders yeah, and he it, felt it, a lot of guilt for that. It lied on him. He was, you know, he was like, it's almost, you wouldn't want to say he's, you know, directly uh, responsible for the distinction of the buggers, but he, he himself, he pulled the trigger. He essentially made them go extinct. And, you know, him coming back to see this, and to see the buggers were ultimately just trying to communicate with them and trying to coexist and trying to, you know, do all these things. And he's living with the consciousness of himself, someone who was trying to communicate with him, someone who was trying to talk to him, someone who was trying to just to understand him. He goes ahead and he eliminates them. And that's on his consciousness. And that's just to him is an essentially extremely hard thing he has to deal with. So, obviously, we know he takes on the persona to Speaker of the Dead, and he would go on to try to condemn the, uh, the damage he's done.